and welcome to another installment of Behind the Fourth Wall, a podcast where we chat about movies, trailers, TV shows, and pretty much anything pop culture. In today's episode, we have a smorgasbord of topics, including Comic-Con, James Bond, the Marvel What If finale. My name is Ivan, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host and aspiring Hollywood Square center tile, Emmett. For the block. Yeah, I send my headshot in every year, and uh, one year they did offer me a the center but the bottom row. So I said, no, I'll, I'll wait. Yeah, I think I think you made the right call there. It's prime time or it's no time. Exactly. That's what I've always said. Exactly. Smorgasbord, though, huh? Yes. Uh, apparently, I'm increasing my vocabulary, my word count here. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, we don't have a, one specific thing, and uh, one of us didn't even see Bond yet, so we'll have to make that abbreviated. Who's this guy? I don't know. Wait, wait for part two of this uh, this pod to find out. Who co-hosts a pop culture cast and doesn't watch the latest <laughs> pop culture film? On, who, yeah, you what? have to see movies the minute they come out, right? I mean, that's the that's the deal we signed up for. Yeah, I mean, we <laughs> a week late is too late. Yeah, uh, and apparently my my dollars could have helped the box office there. So <laughs> I don't just, know. I think it did pretty well. Not according to the trades. We can probably just segue into our first bit of news here: the box office. Yeah, I think uh, we can just review some of the old, some of the movies that have been out now that were kind of back to normal releases of like weekly schedule. So Bond did fifty-six million in the first weekend, which is okay. Well, it was projected to take in sixty-five million, so it it was below. Just reverse the numbers. <laughs> it was close enough. That's not that far off of a projection, and I think this one probably will get stay kind of consistent week over week. I, I think it will. I, I think we're not going to see, or I guess it depends, right? Like if it drops below fifty percent next weekend, then I think there's cause for concern for it. But I think if it's like a solid forty percent drop or so, I, I think it'll have enough legs. I think this is one that. Um, there's a lot of positive word of mouth for this movie, and I think that's probably what's going to drive ticket sales from here on out. Well, we'll see if we're also part of that positive word of mouth. Oh, okay. Stay tuned. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. I I'm I am the fool who has not seen <laughs> this movie yet. Um, I guess with good reason. Spent my weekend a little bit differently than a true fan would make time for both that is true i should have gone immediately after although i i am a terrible fan for two reasons this week not watching bond and apparently completely missing out on another movie (laughs) by mistake we'll get to that section yeah i'll 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 get to that when we get to talk about comic-con here but venom 2 is also at 32 million dollars this week it's actually pretty good for the second weekend so 141 total because it did um it did just over $100 million last week. So it, I guess it dipped significantly for this weekend, which isn't too good. But I got to think, though, that Venom had a lot initially because of that after the credits chat. Yeah, I wonder if it, this is like it, it had I don't think it had as good a word of mouth as positive. I mean, it definitely spread what it was like, but I don't know. I don't know if people really enjoyed it as much. Well, the interesting bit of this is, like, I, I feel like it was at least close to fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, right? Like, the, the critic score was a lot higher than the first movie. Um, the audience score was more or less the same. 
and but that's but yeah, like the same movie. That's true. I, I do feel like a lot of the ticket sales for that first weekend were driven by the talk of that after the credit scene. Yeah, which I think was marketed beautifully because like right after the premiere, I think it was in in, in London that they showed the movie first. Tom Hardy went out on instagram i believe and posted that um anybody who saw the movie please don't talk about it don't talk about the after the credit scene that and he was also wearing like a, a no way home <laughs> hat right which was promptly deleted by sony pictures of course yeah that is genius marketing maybe i, I guess he's the next tom holland in terms of spoiling things for us yeah but that's like in that's an intentional one that was definitely studio design i don't think tom hardy cares enough to feed into fans like that oh a hundred percent sony's definitely writing the coattails of the mcu with this but yeah yeah and then the the last movie on the box office i think this is probably kind of like the fast the last week of shang chi but uh it's because it's week six now but it made four million this weekend and then that brings its total to 211 million so that's pretty good for a marvel movie for these times yeah and I was kind of, um, I'm thinking, though, because I know a lot of people are saying that, oh, Shang-Chi and Venom are a sign that the box office is back. Clearly, that's not the case. Um, but is it is it a question of, like, are only MCU, Marvel slash comic book blockbusters the norm now? Like, are they the ones that will drive in the crowd and nothing else can succeed here? Because Bond, I guess, was the contender yeah. this week. Yeah, I think... I think you're right. There is a distinction there. I don't know if movies in general, like going back to the theaters, that uh, vibe is back. But I do think that opening weekend buzz is back. So if it's a big blockbuster, I think opening weekends do great. And then obviously there's a drop off on week two. And there's another point with Bond where, and I think I, I brought this up last week, but like aside from Casino Royale, I think the majority of the money coming in for Bond was in overseas markets for the last couple movies yeah these are domestic numbers yeah so i I think because i think it was at 200 million domestic if i if i'm not mistaken or maybe like 150 mil um overseas sorry uh so internationally it made a lot more money than domestically did so that that's not to take anything away from it other than i think it's also a question of the audience right like the american audience might not be as in tune to go out and watch bond film but you definitely will find the dollars for it overseas i'm sure there's attrition too like it's no secret that the kind of the middle of daniel craig's era was a little bit slower for the bond movies as far as how the reception was so maybe people just kind of like fell out of love with it looking at you quantum of solace yeah you just had to go to the desert i want this two hours of my life back Honestly, I like that movie too. I I'm so against everyone else when when they hate or love things. Cuz that that's a perfect segue to our next topic. Oh. <laughs> uh so we got the Game of Thrones prequel and actually I guess we had the trailer that we could have talked about last week except nobody knew it came out. <laughs> Including me. For like this four days scene. nobody knew it was out and then it just blew up like wait, did anyone else see this? <laughs> So if you don't know what we're talking about, we're talking about the House of the Dragon trailer, which is going to be the Game of Thrones prequel. And obviously the buzz around it is kind of mixed reviews because the trailer looks epic. But 
a lot of fans are burned by the last season of Game of Thrones, myself not included. Uh, what are your what was your thoughts and takeaway from the trailer? Yeah, to be honest, I was kind of burned by the last season of Game of Thrones. I don't think as passionately as everybody else. <laughs> so some of the character choices, I think at the end of the day, I'll, I'll say this. The the last season made sense. It just was way too rushed to get to its point that I feel no, like that's why no, people no, no, issue. No, no, no. We're <laughs> going to do a whole pod on this and why it's not rushed. We should, because it definitely is rushed, and you're wrong, sir. <laughs> you, uh, like everyone else, just n- didn't want to see it end. So you're like, oh, it could have gone for one more season. No, just end it. <laughs> no, but, like, if you sit down and watch the series, because, like, I, I, yes, I binged I it after. I have um, several times. <laughs> you got to admit, like, there's a huge, huge difference between the first half of the series and the second half. Like, the, there comes a point where the, the quality just drops. But you would be saying the exact opposite if they did take just as long to do all these little character development things that they've already done for seven seasons. The characters are developed. Just let them go do their thing at that point. But God, this is... We gotta stop. <laughs> <laughs> this go. really does get people heated, though. Yeah. Look, like I said, I don't feel as strongly negatively about it as, as other people. But I, I just do feel like... You sound like it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. They could have they could have done for more, um, taking their time with developing these characters a little bit more. Though, mind you, I do think that the endpoints were perfect for each character. I I'm not against that. I know people are like, oh, Daenerys shouldn't have gone bad, yada yada yada. The signs were all there. Okay, that's a different take thing because that's good because the yeah. people that can't accept where the characters ended, that those are the people I feel bad for because it's like you didn't watch it closely enough then. Yeah, no, I think the only one where I think that it was kind of done a disservice as to where he ended up was Bran, because I feel like we didn't quite flesh that out as much as we probably should have. But that's it. Like the the other characters, it was perfectly clear where they were heading. Yeah. Yeah. But, but anyway. as far as for this trailer, I mean, this trailer does look really good. It, it's got the Game of Thrones uh, intensity to it. I like the... The idea that they're going to go prequel and they're going to go way, way back in the day with the Targaryens. And hopefully we get like more than one dragon shot because of budgets. This is pre-Aegon's Conquest, right? Like we're not... Yeah, I'm not 100% sure where it is, but it definitely is. It's not quite Westeros. But then they showed the Iron Throne. Which I guess you could argue was a design from... Was it Valerian or where they're from? Right, Valerian the Dread melted the swords of the rulers that were conquered or something like that. Um, so I'm guessing that this series kind of like ends with now the Targaryens have entered Westeros. I just want to see an entire episode where the dragon melts the chair down and just transports it to Westeros, because obviously that's exactly what happened here. Um, just rewatch the end of Thrones. <gasps> I was surprised to see Matt Smith in this trailer. Like, I... I don't know why, like, it kind of took me a second to click, like, oh, this is a Game of Thrones um, series. Uh, just... I'm terrible with actress names. Who is that? Um, the guy with the long blonde hair. Oh, um, don't say that. They're all... <laughs> <laughs> That's the... a little description of a Targaryen. Um, I only know him as the guy who played um, Doctor Who recently. Um, not even that recently, too. Like, I think he was, like, the 13th doctor or something like that but mm. he he's got a big forehead he looks very animated <laughs> um he's gonna be the main guy in this 
He was the yeah. one featured in the trailer most. Okay. Yeah, but I, I'm looking forward to it. He's he's always really good in all the stuff that he's in. So I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with the show. I like whoever um whoever the new Daenerys is. I like that they <laughs> stuck with that thread. Yeah. Yeah, I, the cast seems pretty solid. I, I just hope that they, you know, deliver on the same quality that we had with in the beginning of Game of Thrones here. So, yeah. Uh, speaking of casting, a couple other casting news pieces. I guess one was probably known, but now we got like a sneak peek of Instagram photos. Timothy Chalamet is going to be playing Willy Wonka in a prequel movie, and he was- is definitely going for the Gene Wilder look. Was this a surprise to you? Yeah, I don't watch for Willy Wonka news. No, no it was a surprise to me, too. I had no idea there was even a Willy Wonka prequel. In the yeah, universe. not a Wonka head. <laughs> Clearly, we're not golden ticket holders here. I I don't think I actually watched the Johnny Depp. I think I saw, like, one scene of it, and I was like, nope, I'm out. Yeah, I was about to say, I've only seen the Gene Wilder one all the way through. Yeah. And Many I don't times. think I've seen, yeah, I, I don't think I've seen the Johnny Depp one all the way through either. I, I, I know I saw at least half of it in school at some point. Substitute um, teacher kind of thing. Yeah, 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 with <laughs> yeah. the rollout. <laughs> this relates to a book. Let's watch it. What? <laughs> We're not even reading that book. <laughs> well, too bad. And then you're gonna write a report about it afterwards, which your actual teacher is not gonna grade. So. But I think he could be actually a pretty solid choice for it. I mean, he had the the look down. I mean, it was a still photo, but I think he's a very skilled actor that he can, he might be able to pull off a Gene Wilder-esque performance. Yeah, he kind of gives me the um, young Johnny Depp vibe to to his career. Uh, so I feel like this is kind of up his alley. So you're going of... the other way. You think he's going to be more like Johnny Depp? No, no, no. I'm saying like from a career standpoint, Timothy Chalamet strikes me as like a young Johnny Depp. So I think that was Chocolat. That's him... a different <laughs> chocolate movie. <laughs> him going, him going, um, and 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 taking on the role of Willy Wonka, I think, is kind of like a nice little stepping stone for him. Um, although I, I, I do kind of, he he did have this interview about a year ago or so where he said he didn't want to do any like inter- interpretations of pop culture heroes, and I'm like, well, Willy Wonka's kind of Gene Wilder there. is that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, do you have any interest in this? Um, I think I'll watch it. Out of curiosity, I, I'm not like super excited about it or anything, but like like I said, I I have seen the original, uh, so I I definitely do want to see what they do, where they go with this. And I, is it going to be yeah. a prequel to the Gene Wilder one, or is it more the Johnny That's, Depp version? Well, the Johnny Depp one was kind of a remake of the Gene Wilder, from my understanding, but it was just like a different, whole different aesthetic. Um. So I think that was the difference. So, I mean, this could be serve as a prequel to either because the storyline stayed the same. So, but he's wearing the same top hat, the same coat as Gene Wilder. So I think they'll probably just try and stay away from the Johnny Depp version um, for good reason. I wonder if I'm going to, like, how does that work? Because, <laughs> like, 10 years ago, I definitely wasn't wearing the same kind of thing that I'm wearing now. Like, Willy Wonka's just dressed the same dapper way his whole life speak for yourself <laughs> but i imagine that they they did set it up like pretty well that willy wonka went to like that island and saved all the oompa loompas right that seems like where this this plot would go i would hope so 
I definitely do want to see Oompa Loompas again. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I'm the same as you. I think I, I would just approach this with curiosity as opposed to uh, excitement. And then controversial news. <laughs> yeah, what do you got? Will Poulter cast as Adam Warlock for Guardians 3. Did you see how much backlash has been getting on? I saw on some, world? and I don't blame it. It's kind of a weird pick. It is when you look at the the guys like um, IMDb, I guess, right? Because yeah, his it's career. Mostly, it's mostly like these wacky, zany characters. It's like bad comedies that like didn't that weren't successful or shouldn't yeah. have been. But I do gotta. I'll hand it to James Gunn and to Kevin Feige. Like they've been able to cast really well for these projects, so I'm True. gonna give them the benefit of the doubt here. Um, if this is a very different version of Adam Warlock that then there is from the comics and i hope they picked the right lead to i mean the right actor here to tell that so i'll give him the benefit of the doubt like i'm not going to say anything until i see a trailer yeah i've got um well two things one the this is like a post credit scene that we've been waiting on for years that i kind of thought they forgot about uh, but two this is probably a dumb question but uh it, is there a difference between Guardians 3 and Thor 4? Aren't they the Asgardians now? Um, I think they're cameoing in uh, in Thor 3. Oh, uh, Thor, Thor 4, sorry. But they're, they're definitely not the same movies. So you're not going to see them for the entire movie. Why did we end Endgame with them uniting forces back together? Because I guess they they are going to play a role in each other's movie to some degree, but at least from what we've heard, the Guardians are not going to be a major part of Thor 4. That's a bummer. It is kind of a bummer, because I was kind of hoping they'd team up for for the next one and just like skip Thor 4, skip Guardians 3, just make it a one big Marvel team-up thing. Yeah. All right, well, I mean, you are right. They, They haven't really done a bad casting yet. Uh, I'm trying to think of some off the top of my head, but I don't know. I think they'd have, they've done really well. Uh, and I think most actors understand what they're walking into and how serious it is. So I'm sure he'll be fine. Yeah, it's, just, it's definitely an odd choice. And it kind of took me by surprise, too, because I, I saw it and I'm like, oh, well, is this from. Um, what's that? There's a website that's always like spilling. Um, the onion. No. <laughs> No, what's it called? Oh, we got discovered.net. I don't even know that one. They'll always like people will always share it and they're like, guys, 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 look, this is happening. Like this and this is happening. And it's like it's always like wrong. So yeah. it, it seemed like something coming out of there. And then like to see the deadline the Hollywood reporter reporting on it, I was like, Oh my god, I didn't realize it wasn't a parody. Yeah. Uh any other news segments before we move on? Um, no, I think we're I think we're pretty much covered. Cool. Let's talk about the other major event uh, that comes out of New York this weekend that you could talk to. New York Comic Con. Oh, my God. We're back, baby. I know. We took a whole year off from it. And finally, it felt really weird and bizarre. Um I was I was telling you offline, but like I think one of the reasons why I felt like I felt safe, I guess, going. I know that sounds a little odd, but like in these these COVID times, you know, you never know. Um, 
in order to get in, you had to present a vaccination card, get basically approved. You got to download this app that scans your vax card and your ID. Then it asks you to take a picture of your face. And so it does this like weird multi-scan thing. And then it verifies whether you're that person or not. So anyway. So they have your DNA. They're going to be cloning you shortly. Essentially, yeah. Which cool. I'm looking forward to, of course. What which uh which Comic Con is this for you? This is like you've gone pretty much Ooh. every year since I've known you, I think. Yeah. Uh let's see. Nine, maybe? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I took, I stuck... I took nine. Might have been too much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've been going for a long time, so it's definitely I've been going since The Walking Dead has been on air. Mm. So Believe it or not, that's been a while. <laughs> I do believe that. <laughs> you just told me it. <laughs> you said it, and I believed it. Uh, um, but what are the crowds like? Was it really crowded like usual, or is it kind of like uh, half the half crowd or something like that? Yeah, no, it, it seems similar, like a similar volume to what we've seen in years past, but it's not until you get into the actual convention convention center because they host this at the Javits Center. So for anybody mm-hmm. who's gone to any sort of event at the Javits Center, you know how huge that place is. Um, but every time Comic-Con is hosted, there you, you, there's like barely any room to walk on the show floor. Uh, and for context, the show floor is basically where all the um, little like booths are set up so you could go and like purchase stuff from different various brands, get t-shirts, whatever, like any, anything you want. You could get a lightsaber for 75 bucks. You can get a replica helmet um unlicensed and licensed stuff like it's 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 huge um this year though it, it did feel like there was less than years prior because obviously there were a number of different brands that didn't make it to the event uh the i guess the biggest draw for like the nerd community is <laughs> or the pop culture community i guess is uh is always like the funko pop booth because like you always have like the lottery system to get a ticket so you could then stand in line so you could get some exclusive bobbleheads. Um, they were gone. It replaced by an eBay booth. So that kind of tells Whoa. you where... Yeah. We go back in time? Right? It, it, it There was more space to walk, but the crowd itself was still fairly large. Uh, but like I mentioned before, the, the fact that you needed to be vaccinated to get in here, and you need, and they put on these wristbands that were like impossible to get off. Um, it kind of made me safe, I guess, made me feel safe that, you know, everybody's vaxxed. If my chances are to get COVID are kind of low. So well, as long as you have the illusion of safety, that's all that matters. Of course, it is. You know, like... <laughs> um, I feel like the major thing that I noticed, I mean, I, I wasn't there, but the thing I noticed is that we didn't really get that many trailers out of it. Usually it's like this is the time to be debuting, especially for Marvel, to be like, here's the slate. Here's what we can show you. Here's the cast. Was that all kind of like withheld from the public and kept um, in, inside? So New York Comic Con is usually the hub for television and streaming shows. Okay. It's never as big as San Diego Comic Con because San Diego's where they'll debut all the trailers and all that. Oh, okay, uh, gotcha. But now that you mention it, though, like they did, Marvel and DC both skipped um, San Diego Comic Con and New York Comic Con this year. They're avoiding us. 
I know they are something to hide. But there was still stuff that premiered at New York Comic Con. We got the Lost in Space uh, final trailer for the for the final season. If you haven't watched that show, it's actually pretty good on Netflix. Um, you know, we Is got the Will Robinson one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. It's like a remake of the old '60s show. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's pretty good though. Um, then we also got a look at. Uh, what do you, uh, oh, we got a really in-depth look at <laughs> Ghostbusters Afterlife, which um, is the other movie I missed this weekend. I, I had actually made a reservation to go to this panel for Ghostbusters, uh, but I had been at, at the convention center since 8 a.m., so I got really, really tired, and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go home. Called it a day at 5 o'clock because the panel was going to be at 7. <laughs> you put in a full work day. I know. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But, I found out the night, uh, I mean, the um, the morning after that at the panel, not only was the cast there, like, taking questions and all that, Paul but Rudd. Paul Rudd, um, that's it. That's a, <laughs> a bunch of kids. <laughs> a bunch of kids, yeah. The kids, half of the cast of Stranger Things, I think, I don't know. Um, but they premiered the entire movie to the crowd, which was... The whole movie, like, uned- like yep. the whole like final edit cut. Mm-hmm. The entire movie was screened. When does that come out? Um, that's a good question. I don't really know. I I I think it's set for end of. We'll November. get our editors on it. Um, <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, November nineteenth. I'm yeah. getting it in the chat from our from our producer. There you go. Thanks, Greg. <laughs> Fictitious Greg. Um, <laughs> no, but yeah, I. I, I did feel kind of like I missed out on something pretty significant there. Not That's not so much, not so much because of the movie, but the experience is pretty cool. It's kind of like uh, the year at San Diego Comic Con, right before Force Awakens premiered. The entire uh, group of folks that that lined up at, at Hall H to look at the first look at Force Awakens, they were treated to an actual concert off-site. So they literally walked that entire crowd over. And got to experience uh, John Williams composing and like wow. performing the uh, orchestra to the original trilogy soundtrack. Those were better days back when we had hoped that that trilogy would be good. Yeah, R.I.P. But <laughs> but Ghostbusters Afterlife apparently had a really really good positive response. Um, so it's it's kind of piqued my interest to see what they do with it. So yeah. Um... That's a curiosity one for me. I'm not real. I was like, I watched the first Ghostbusters and then I kind of trailed off. I didn't watch the second one. Yeah, Ghostbusters is kind of like Ninja Turtles for me in terms of like as a franchise. It's exactly. Shot for shot remake. <laughs> exact <laughs> shot for shot, yeah. But it never quite caught my attention. It's basically where, did, like, where did you just pull TMNT out from? <laughs> Because, don't you get the feeling though that there are franchises like that where like everybody owns at least like one shirt of like Ghostbusters or TMNT, and like there seem to be like these super fans, but you could just never really get quite into it. Yeah, sure. Maybe I'm just describing this in a weird <laughs> way. <laughs> I think you're still coming off the high of Comic Con. Probably. <laughs> uh, booth wise, what was the what was some of the main attractions? What like what did you stop off at? What was cool there? There was like this really cool um, food truck slash mm. uh, ride for the new Chucky series that's premiering on, I believe it's FX. Um, 
so you get you go into this little truck and basically you're you're the whole experience is chucky's trying to kill you <laughs> Um, so it feels like the truck is like crashing and rolling through and rolling over. So like it, it was a lot of fun. Um, it was really difficult to get in. It's a long wait, but that was one of the highlights of it for for, for me. Um, I did get to go to see the um, I on Saturday I went with my sister and we both had reservations for the Outlander panel, um, and she actually got a chance to meet the. Um, the cast and crew while i uh <laughs> while i went out and got my own um autograph experience by uh going to get an autograph from d bradley baker who voices the clone troopers and captain rex from the Ooh. star wars animation projects that That's was a, a lot hot of fun. ticket it was he was actually really nice too like every um i think i was talking to you about this before but everybody has their own like price for um for autographs and hayden christensen was at the event also i contemplated getting his autograph but it was kind of steep big h yeah well and also like if you wanted his autograph you were waiting there since the morning so i kind of didn't want to waste an entire day you know um which maybe in retrospect i'll regret it later down the road but we'll see uh, but meeting d bradley baker was really fun i caught him at a time when he didn't really have a big line uh, he usually did throughout the couple of days I was there, but I got him to sign my Captain Rex bobblehead, and he threw in a print of the Bad Batch. So that was fun. Very really cool. nice guy, and actually, like he voices a lot of the stuff that we grew up watching. So, oh yeah, um, yeah. Did he come to mind or my calling so... you out there? No, there's there's a number of different ones because like he something that kind of surprised me like he voices like almost half the characters of the Fairly Odd Parents uh, crew. If you enjoyed uh, Kids Next Door, he's the voice of a couple of the characters there. He was last uh, last Airbender. Yeah, um, I forget what he voices there. I don't think he does. He was on the Mandalorian too. SpongeBob, um, he, Legend a lot of, of Star Wars stuff. Gosh, Greg is all over this. Ooh, Kids Next, codename Kids Next Door. That was my jam. Yep. Kids Next Door is one of the big ones. Uh, Perry the Platypus from Phineas and Ferb. Um, I think he was also the voice of uh, what you call him? Uh, Danny forgetting. Phantom. Was he the voice for Danny Phantom? I didn't know that. I just see him credited. I don't actually oh. get to see the. Uh, Greg. Greg only has access to so much here. Come on, Greg. Um, in the Chucky series, uh, Greg also threw in the chat that it's on Sci-Fi and USA Network. Okay, there you go. I stand corrected. So, not FX. Instant it's, correction. It's not FX. <laughs> but he, he he's he's got a very very long list of of credits. Yeah, this guy's uh, an accredited actor. He is. So he he was really nice. He was really chill. If anybody ever has a chance to to meet him, I recommend it um i think he was charging 40 dollars for an autograph which which was very much on the affordable end uh compared to a lot of the folks um that were there so very cool but yeah other than that i got a couple of like prints i got to meet a couple different comic book artists uh chatted up a little bit with some comic book writers uh artist alley is always fun to to visit when you're over there 
I wanted to get a little bold and do a couple of interviews with people there, but, and I think some of them probably would have agreed, but because we're in a time of COVID, I also didn't want to like make anybody uncomfortable by being like, hey, let me stand close to you because it's loud yeah. <laughs> everywhere else. So, um, but definitely when things lift up again, I think you and I should probably try and uh, see what we could do there. I've always wanted to go to a Comic-Con, so that would be cool to to get to one of those. There's a Star Wars convention coming up in the spring. Oh, that's even more targeted towards me. Yeah, although it's in Orlando, Florida, so. Road trip. If we do it, we could pile on the Disneyland, I mean, Disney World trip, I too. would. Yeah, I would be so in for that. Build my lightsaber, get my kyber crystal. Take my three hundred dollars. <laughs> they can't name a price that I'm not willing to pay. <laughs> Honestly, for the experience, yeah. I mean, th- th- these things are always really fun to attend, though. Like, if, if anybody's ever curious about it, like, at least go for like a day. I feel like it's it's really fun to interact with people that are, you know, from the industry or like super passionate about stuff. It's always yeah. great to see the cosplayers too. Yeah, here's here, that's my burning question is like, what's the ratio of like cosplaying to just going there in like a in a hoodie? Um, about like thirty to seventy. Seventy being out of cosplay and thirty being in cosplay. Okay, so it's not mandatory to dress up by any no, means. no. I I probably would not. I don't think I have the courage to put on <laughs> a cosplay myself, but. But I those people are to. always so like cool like everyone wants to get their pictures with people's personal costumes yeah i will say though that there's a handful of people that will put in like uh i guess what you call like a last minute cosplay mm. like a streetwear kind of thing like i saw multiple well, i have people... my closet what works <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I was tempted to take my uh my my mandalorian helmet <laughs> and just throw it on yeah with, just like, throw it IT. on sure. there were a number of people doing that so that's cool you would fit right in <laughs> I I did get a um I did get but also gave away a uh a foam uh Mjolnir. So that oh, was wow. that, that was fun. I was carrying it around for a bit. It had a lot of heft. Um so I was at the end of the con I was like, yeah, I'm not I'm not taking this home. I have nowhere to put it either. So uh but it, it was it was fun. It was it was a really nice experience. Um especially with like a group of friends. I feel like it you know, the more people you have with you, the more enjoyable the experience becomes. Yeah. That's great that that's back and that you got to go there. There's one thing I wanted to do, but just didn't have, you know, the, uh, I didn't have the audacity to do, I guess. What's that? Um, there was a booth called Whatnot, and you could go in there. I still don't know what it's about, but every two hours or so, there would be a wrestling match. And heck? it's a professional wrestler, like an amateur professional wrestler. Bone saws ready. <laughs> Versus any fan that wants to get in there. <laughs> That's literally the original Spider-Man movie. <laughs> <laughs> that was a lot of fun. I kind of wanted to do it, but I was also like, nah, I no. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, that that's probably more fun to watch your friend do it than to be the friend who does it. A hundred percent. Next up, just give a quick take on James Bond, No Time to Die. So one of us got to see it, one of us didn't. Um, I'll speak on behalf of both of us then, so you don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But no, I I did go to see it opening day, and I told you on the pod last week that this 
could be the thing that actually gets me to buy concessions at the um, at the theater as opposed to sneak some in. And I'm proud to say I did both. I snuck in the Reese's Pieces, but I also bought a tub of popcorn and a Pepsi. And you know what? That really does make movies better. Going to the lobby, for sure. Well, just having like a salty snack with a Pepsi to wash it down, like that... I forgot that 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 is a great way to watch movies. It is the, the it's that smell of butter on butter on popcorn. I think yeah, that, like cements it for me. And even a small size like feels like a large. So they know how to do it. It's it's, it's an American thing too. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. Um, but that being said, so I did see it, and at the risk of like recency bias, um, I'm kind of struggling to like deny putting this at the top spot for me for the Daniel Craig James Bond era. I think this is his best. And I'm a huge, huge fan of Casino Royale, uh, Skyfall after that. Um, Yeah, I think that, I mean, I'm a huge James Bond fan. and I actually, I'll be honest, I haven't watched the other uh, actors who played James Bond, so I don't really have a comparison, so I would never rank them against each other but at least for daniel craig i mean the action was exciting like any other james bond you would expect but i thought more importantly like the plot and the wrap-up for not just uh daniel craig but also like all those other characters that you come to love along the way uh make a reappearance and they all get their like loose ends tied up and you understand where they would be ending up in this series so it was really sentimental and it was like beautifully handled. Um, and I think it's hard for like an like an action movie to get the audience like on the edge of their seat, but then also have them like slump back into the seat and just like be like hysterical with emotions because this thing did it both. Um, so, I mean, I, I highly recommend it. I, I saw that it got like high 80s for the fan review on Rotten Tomatoes. I feel like that's lowball, and I feel like it should be like low nineties at least. How was Rami Malek as the villain? Yeah, so that's the thing. I don't want to get into like two spoiler spoiler alerts or whatever, but um, I will say that he lives up to his Oscar performances that he's done before. He's such a brilliant actor um, that he obviously did this role really well. Um, I won't spoil like who he is in the world or anything like that. The only thing I'll say is that, like, he does such a good job. Um, I just wish there was more of him. And that's because, like, this movie is more about, like, wrapping up Daniel Craig's career than introducing a villain and having them build up over the over a course of, like, a, a sequel or something like that. So they don't give you a ton of Rami. Um, but he also, like, wasn't really in the trailer that much. So I guess that kind of lives up to the expectation there. That's good to hear. I always think he's such a really great actor, especially like on. Have you ever watched Mr. Robot? Yeah, um, I haven't, but I want to start it now that I'm like watching a few more of his his uh credits. He's really good. So I, I was very curious to see how he'd play a villain, especially in the Bond universe. So. Oh, he's, he's so good. He's got that like very you know monotone voice that's so creepy when he like throws it like a little bit. Uh, but then he's also really good with like his movements and the situations that he put they put him in that he's not this like over like over lurking threat of like 
like physical dominance that James Wan has to fight, but more of just like a mental game kind of thing. Um, so I think they did a really good job with him, you know, introducing a villain in this last episode, knowing that none of it's going to continue on after this. So it's kind of bittersweet then to to see the end of the of the Daniel Craig Bond era. But I, I definitely am going to watch it this weekend. It it's really is bittersweet, agenda. yeah. And I could hear the audience when like the credits started rolling because it does like quiet music at the beginning. I could hear like the guys behind me going, "Jeez," <laughs> I was like, "Okay, yeah, that means it hit right." Like, if everybody's got like a frog in their throat and they're like really upset about it, like seeing that this is the last one of his, um, then yeah, it they did it right. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing it myself and just kind of seeing what uh, how it is because I, I I did have some of my issues with like quantum solace and that kind of thing but it was never really like horrible to me like i don't think any of the daniel craig movies have been really bad i think some have been definitely better than others but um for sure like this is one franchise that i feel like i had absolutely no interest in until i saw casino royale so like Mm -hmm. to me bond is daniel craig so it's gonna be weird to maybe see him i don't know i don't know how long they're gonna wait to reboot this but it's probably going to be another like five or six years before we see the next Bond. Yeah. And I know that there was a lot of like fan talk after it, like who's going to be the next one trying to pick the cast for them. But I honestly could see a way where they, and you'll understand this when you watch the movie, but I, I could see them continuing this cast and just work new people in and work old people out kind of a thing if they wanted to. Like, no rebooting Bond, but maybe, like, another 007 kind of thing? Yeah, because, I mean, I think this was known from other movies, not from this movie, but the double O, there's obviously only nine numbers you can have there. (laughs) So it's not like they retire them forever type of thing. So you could still keep the 007 moniker if you wanted, um, or, like, introduce 008 type of thing. Was there a It's Bond, James Bond moment in this movie? Uh, one weak one, and I think they did that on purpose where it was like, a, I don't want to spoil it, but like there was a weak one like that. Damn. Okay. Well, I'm definitely looking forward to watching it. Yeah, it, it's, it's definitely worth it. Um, so you'll have a busy weekend at the movie theaters if you see that. And then are you going to go see The Last Duel as well? I am going to watch The Last Duel on Saturday. Um, I think Friday is probably going to be Bond Day for me. Dude, just double feature it. Well, I'm doing a double feature on on Friday already. (laughs) (laughs) Dang, what's the other one? I have tickets for a screening of Dune. You're going to see that a week early? Yeah. Oh, man, anything for the pod. <laughs> gotta do what I gotta do, you know. <laughs> now, is there? I tried to look it up today and I couldn't figure it out. Is there any prep I need to do for that? Uh, we're getting, we're moving on from Bond, but is that? I, I know that this is a remake of the first iteration of the book, and fans were like upset with the first attempt back in the day because it wasn't close to the book. So I'll be honest, I've never seen like any visual adaptation of of Dune. I've read the book. Um, I've read I've read actually three books because uh, there's a number of them. I, I think there's about nine or I so. I thought books. there was a series, right? Yeah, there's like nine or twelve. It, it's a it's a it's a big number. But I haven't seen any adaptations, only because I've heard a lot of criticism of them. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, this one, though, like, visually, it looks really good. The cast, it seems really, really solid, like top-tier actors of, of our day. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to it. And it, I don't know, it just it, it catches my attention. The book itself is so complicated that I'm almost kind of trying to... I'm trying to set my expectations to be kind of low because, you know, like, it's not... <sighs> A, a book like this is almost like trying to adopt um, Orson Scott Card's uh, Ender's Game. Mm. Like, you're never going to quite get it. You just have to find some way to interpret as much as you can in the right in the right setting. Because uh, even Ender's Game, I thought, was a fair adaptation, the recent one. But it just pales in comparison to the book. So Dune is kind of one of those situations for me. Yeah, where it's like too much detail that you can't get it all. Um, but yeah, I think I'm going to go see that as well. And I have no prep of reading or watching either. So I think going into it blind is fine. I've heard so many good things about it because it's been released overseas. Um, mm-hmm. And this is actually one of those weird instances where, and I say weird, because almost like a self-centered American here. But um, most of the time, like the American market's what you go to first before you go to the international uh, market, but Dune took the opposite approach because of the HBO Max day and date release thing. Is this getting released on HBO Max the same day as in theaters? Um, I, I think they're waiting about a week or so. Oh, okay. But that's uh, like I'm still going to do the big screen forward. Th- it looks like one of those. It was shot on IMAX, so I was like, I, I definitely have to watch watch it like um as soon as i I can kind of get that imax experience in and to be honest like the opportunity to watch this early came out of nowhere and by out of nowhere i mean like three hours ago (laughs) um so so i was like yeah sure i'm down you're gonna have to give us a spoiler free take next week i will and if i like it enough i think i'll probably go again (laughs) the week of the news (laughs) i mean i might go see bond again I, i think i will I definitely will. So I think what I'm going to do is squeeze Bond in right after Dune. Because I don't know about you, but like I can never get enough of like a movie experience. Like I'm not. I rewatch movies all the time. I'd I rather think, have. A I think you feature. see so many other details that you missed the first time because you're just trying to experience everything. That uh, that it it just enhances the experience for me. Plus, like you know the spoiler. So you know what clues to look out for, and you get to see like how clever the director was for putting that in there. They also seem a lot shorter the second time you watch it. I will say Bond felt a little long. That's like the only downside of it. Interesting. I think it was like 2.30 or something like that, or 2.40. Maybe we're used to kind of... I, it wasn't until Endgame that I realized like a lot of the movies that we watch are not supposed to be that long. <laughs> <laughs> what, like... Lord of the Rings can be four hours, but this can't be two hours and 40 minutes. <laughs> the Snyder Cut can be four hours, too. <laughs> Don't get started on the Snyder Cut. All right, let's move on to the final final segment, the What If Finale wrap-up. Uh, Guardians of the Universe edition. What oh, were your boy. thoughts, your take? Uh, my initial thoughts were, what happened to the Gamora episode? Uh, it's assumed of what happened. They really quickly summed it up. <laughs> they really did. They like kind of like it. It felt very obvious that like they, that's the episode that they cut completely. Yeah. She um, was just like on another planet with Tony Stark. Like okay. 
Yeah, I, I've always felt that Ultron as a villain was kind of like one of the weakest MCU villains to, to come out, even though he had like one of the most badass voices <laughs> you yeah. can get in entertainment. Um, and I feel like the Ultron that we saw here was probably more along the lines of what we should have seen in the main MCU. Now, that being said, this show has always been a little bit of a mixed bag for me. I think it's high quality animation. I think, uh, you know, the, the the voice acting for the most part is really good. I think the visuals and direction are usually pretty good. But I also feel like every now and again, you get instances where it just feels a little directionless and kind of doesn't play by its own rules that it's set up, you know. And for me, the finale was was good. It just wasn't great. You know, it just it's kind of like to sum up the entire what if experience. It kind of came and went with mm. a little bit of a sigh. Um, I enjoyed it, but I just don't think it was. Uh, or maybe it's because we've been kind of spoiled with the quality of the live action stuff, but it just kind of paled in comparison to me. Yeah, this certainly wasn't a show that I was like on a week to week basis being like, ooh, it's Wednesday. Can't wait to watch this. Um, and I, to be honest, if I was somebody who held out and didn't watch it, I probably would just skip it. Um, if you didn't want to be bothered to waste the time, like I, I don't think it's that impactful to watch it. But I agree. I think the visuals of this were top notch for animation. The fighting was really good. The uh, like you get the same chills of like the Avengers assemble. Um, I guess I'm cool with the Ultron as the key villain. I, I like that they made it that. But the thing I had a problem with was like I wanted these to be. You introduce this as a standalone format, and then you force it into this uh, this MCU uh, cookie cutter shape. And it's also like that villain is powered by something that ever since watching Loki, we know that the Infinity Stones can be like deactivated. So I'm kind of wondering why the Watcher doesn't know how to do that or how the Doctor Strange character they created, who's all powerful, doesn't really know about runes or whatever Kang used to figure out how to deactivate them. So it's just like, I don't know. It didn't have to be like you have to tie all these things together. You could have just made them all have their own separate scenarios of how it uh like the butterfly effect works you know and that's what this it could have been is just like they walk this narrow type like the mcu walk this narrow type rope for success and like have a bigger appreciation for that i think this was the perfect outlet for them to explore like new storylines kind of deviate from the marvel formula and they did that in a couple of episodes but then they but, stuck to the uh, the format too much in in some of them. Yeah, that that's where I feel like they they did a disservice to themselves, which is like this was with Marvel animation, this is your opportunity to do something we haven't seen before. Yeah. You know, like break that trend of like, oh, all Marvel movies have to have this or like they have to have the same level of humor, that kind of thing. But they didn't quite stick the landing in a lot of it. I still enjoyed most of it. It's just that, you know, I, and again, I don't know, like it, it could be it could be the messaging behind the marketing too. Like they really pushed for this to be like, oh, this is still MCU adjacent, I guess. Um, that you almost kind of bring this baggage of expectations with you as well. Uh, I think you put it really 
really uh, well um, in one of the reviews that we did um, a couple episodes ago. But when you said that, you know, either you go all the way in with the cast or you do something yeah. completely different. And and I agree. Like, I feel like the episodes where you're not able to get one of the original voice act, uh, sorry, one of the original actors to voice act their own character here, it just feels so off. Yeah. Yeah, that was definitely one thing I had a just problem like grasping and, and keeping hold on and fully immersing myself into it. I, I think the other thing, too, is like when you watch all of them, you get this this feeling that like each episode was made by a team that just didn't talk to each other and they had somewhat similar ideas. Like, I, I think it's great to be able to put like certain characters on a platform that they didn't really get in the movies uh, like uh, Black Widow and Hawkeye had a lot of reoccurring parts in these uh, and how they would have helped out in a different way that they didn't really get to be a part of in the movies because they're overshadowed by the, the, the big three. But I just feel like some of them were very close in plot, like seeing Hope Van Dyne as, as a catalyst for revenge in some of them. It's like, why are you reusing your ideas if you're the same person creating it? Or is it like two teams that had an idea and both ran with it? Yeah, it it, it felt a little disjointed and disorganized in, in a couple of episodes. Disorganized for sure. Yeah, that's, that's that's what I'm thinking. I hope they go with the anthology uh, spin for season two, because we are getting a season two of this. Like, right. it's, it's already been confirmed. Uh, but if the, the the more separate that they are, I feel like the more enjoyable those standalone stories are. Yeah, for sure. Because it, do, it does give you those scenarios of like, see how wrong this could have gone, but everything that happened in the MCU happened for a reason and happened uh, specifically for this line of success. Otherwise, it could have veered off this to this catastrophe. Right. And they they have a lot more material they can pull from, and I and I hope that we get a solid season two soon. Um, I guess it's just a question of like where are they taking it from here on out? Because there's yeah. a lot of elements that I really like about the show, like Uatu the Watcher has been a character I've been eagerly um, anticipating to show up in live action. Was it? Uh, I don't know if it was him. I know his his uh, his species, I guess of. Of Alien did show up in in Guardians too, in the after the credit scene, right? No, that was um when I'm uh, forgetting the fox's name now. Rocket Raccoon when he does like six hundred jumps to get to Ego's planet. Oh, that's right. And one yeah. of the planets is Stanley recounting the his tales on Earth. <laughs> yeah, I that might have been him then. But I know it, like it's the same kind of race or species of alien uh, that he's that he's a part of. So okay, yeah, I like him as a character. It was cool to see. Uh, but it's just like, do you know everything or do you not know everything? That's where I'm kind of confused. I'm also curious to see if this is our segue into Galactus in a way because Uatu and the arrival of Uatu is always like, oh, now Galactus is coming, that kind of thing. So. Well, they did do those visuals in that second to last episode for sure. And that visual of Ultron literally eating the universe. Yeah, that was yeah, yeah, that was the second to last one. Oh, it was it? I thought it appeared in the second, in the last one too. Yeah. 
I think we're saying the same thing. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but was there any like topics that you've always like looked at uh, when watching the movies? Like, oh, I wonder what would happen if this went differently. Like, what you think could be good fuel for an episode? Yeah, what if Uncle Ben didn't die? Well, that would be interesting. What if Aunt May wasn't hot? <laughs> All right. Well, that's different. Mine. So I, I thought about this a little bit before this. And I'll probably receive flack for this. But one of my favorite movies is Iron Man 2. <laughs> yeah. In a non-ironic way. Um, what if Justin Hammer designed working Iron Man suits instead of, like, killing that test pilot? Like, that could have totally changed that whole movie like he would have left ivan vanko in jail uh who wouldn't have gotten revenge tony probably wouldn't have been in the avengers and the avengers might not even be made because like who needs them if you have a entire division of iron man suits and then justin hammer would have been like the like defense secretary for years which would have really change politics in that universe and the genius inventor of the ex-wife <laughs> <laughs> exactly that that one would have worked but like that that always seems like a turning point like he wasn't that far off he just had like the wrong software for it and that's what you're describing is kind of the comic book justin hammer yeah and that's like what i want like they made him such an idiot for comic relief in that movie. <laughs> I have a feeling we're going to see him back. I hope so. The Thunderbolts. He's got to come in for the Thunderbolts. When we saw him in um, in All Hail the King, I was dying laughing. He's my favorite Sam Rockwell. <laughs> I, I bet he is going to play a role, though, in like a future project. And I'm thinking, remember they announced the uh, Armor Wars for, for yeah. Disney Plus? He's definitely going to show up in that. I, I got to think that that's where he's popping up again. That would be great. There's a lot of topics, though. Like, you know, what if um, what if it wasn't uh, Bruce Banner that got hit with the gamma rays like what if it was his his love interest what's her name betty something yeah i was was thinking about that we didn't really see the hulk in these episodes except for one where he was injected with some poison (laughs) what if marvel owned the solo rights to the hulk instead of universal (laughs) (laughs) that would be interesting but yeah i would love to see something with the hulk I do also want them to explore, like, maybe even introduce us to brand new characters that we haven't seen in the MCU before. Like, I, I think I've I've talked about my interest in Ghost Rider before, but, like, those couple of episodes in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I forget what season, where he showed up. Like, that was actually really well done. Nicolas um, Cage was in that? It wasn't Nicolas Cage. It was the Mexican Ghost Rider. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, what's his name? It was the Robbie Reyes version of Ghost Rider. And I think Nicolas Cage was, um, uh, I always forget his name. Johnny Blaze. Yeah. Because, of course. <laughs> the, best, the best one. Yeah. There's three, right? I'm trying to think. Yeah, there's Johnny Blaze, Danny something, and then Robbie Reyes. Okay. This is all news to me. 
<laughs> they got to be doing something with the with with the, with that character though. But I don't know. Like I, I feel like they should be using this platform to like give us characters that might be a little too bold for the MCU. Could this be the way to introduce then the mutants? Oh God, yeah. I hope so. At some point, <laughs> we're getting the X Men at some point. Yeah. Although yeah. I kind of think they're probably not going to be called the X Men because every time like they get brought up. Kevin Feige always talks about them as the mutants. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that means though. Like, is he saying like the X Men themselves aren't going to show up necessarily? They're just going to be Probably. called a different team. Yeah, we need them. And then Fantastic Four has always been talked about. Although we have a date for that now, right? Do we? I think it's May of 2023. <laughs> oh, it's coming right up. Yeah. It'll be here before you know it. Oh, boy. But, yeah, I think there's there's lots of topics that we could probably think about. But uh, as far as the show goes, interesting season one, possibly skippable. But if you have free time, maybe worth watching. It's just more of like a thought experiment, I think. Yeah, I think I would treat this show as like a kind of filler thing to like help you lessen the weight for no way home or even like eternals because and that's what it felt like it was like just give us some sort of content to watch something new but um it doesn't really require too much brain power yeah no Uh, some of the scenarios are fun i i hope they explore that marvel zombies world a little bit more well that that world's gone it was fed to ultron (laughs) i can Um, always go back but yeah, I think that's I think that's it for for this episode. We'll obviously come back next week talking about the last duel. We're gonna get a sneak preview of Dune, and um, we're gonna talk about Adam Driver in detail. Yes, well, that'll be the majority of the episode for sure. A hundred percent, damn Adam Driver, man. Matt, the radar technician. Matt, the radar technician, the guy from Black Klansman, Kylo Ren. Oh, yeah, I forgot about Kylo Ren. Shirtless Kylo Ren. That's, yeah, that's the one I I liked better. Converted Ben Solo. (laughs) You know. um, All right, all the drivers. We get it. We get it. (laughs) He was also in that one movie from that HBO thing. Oh. Uh, He was also played a Jesuit priest in that one movie with Andrew Garfield. Um, It's like you know all these movies, except you only know just enough to be dangerous. I just know Adam Driver. That's all I know. (laughs) And with that, I think we leave it there. Until next time. Until next time. This is Behind the Fourth Wall. Signing out. Oh, okay. Thanks for listening. (laughs)